Brothers and sisters of the barbecue world, Cowboy Kev here welcoming you to another episode of Man Meat Barbecue with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly sponsored by Fire and Smoke Barbecue. If you're looking for a new seasoning, head over to fireandsmokebbq.com. We ship nationwide or pick up a catering menu for those of you in the Chicago area. Also brought to you by Myron Mixon Smokers. If you're a caterer competition or just a backyard cooker, we have the smoker for you. Go check them out at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And now, here is your host, Mikey K. What's going on, guys? This is a little different episode today. It's Cowboy Kev here. Today, we're going to interview our own Mikey. <laughs> and Mikey's laughing. You guys have all heard Mikey talk. You've heard him sh- spiel, talk about his hate of pellets, and things like that. But we've never talked to Mikey. So tonight, I get to host, and Mikey gets to answer the questions. How you feel? I feel great, dude. Um, I, the only my only uh, my only worry is that they're gonna like you more, and now you're <laughs> gonna have to do this every week. Why is that a fear? Then you don't have to. <laughs> then I could actually maybe cook something for myself. So, with that being said, one of the questions you always ask everybody, what got you into this? What got you, what was the, the, the thing that made you say, I got to learn how to cook with fire and, and make barbecue? Oh, being a pyro. Uh, loving, 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 loving to play with fire. Um, you know, I started cooking when I was 13. Uh, but I, I was cooking inside the house before, uh, always kind of fascinated with, 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 um, food and how to feed people and all that kind of fun stuff. And then I, I started, you know, cooking on a gas grill, uh, cause that's what my dad cooked on. Yeah. You know, uh, started cooking on a gas grill when I was 13, uh, sort of playing with that and then started, um, then got in, got into, got into charcoal a couple of years later and just fell in love with that flavor. You know what I mean? Cause there's nothing like, no, nothing like wood, nothing like, you know, wood and, and cooking over, over, over a real flame. And I, I got a Weber kettle because Weber kettles are affordable and <laughs> relatively cheap to be honest. They're everywhere. And they're, and they're everywhere. I mean, you go and, being from the Chicagoland area, uh, Weber's in our backyard. You know what I mean? Like Weber's Weber has a very strong foothold here. They're just they're they're here. You know what I mean? Good strong presence, and almost any hardware store, um, any barbecue store that you're going to go into is going to have a Weber presence, right? Um, yeah, they're everywhere. Exactly. So I picked up a kettle, um, and I picked up an 18 inch at the time. Um, and then I got, then I went up to a performer with a table just cause I was like, Ooh, this is a little nicer. Right. I, I want, I want somewhere to put my shit. Uh, that, that, that was like half the bad, like that was half the reason it was like, I just want somewhere to put like my stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's it. Um, 
and I didn't get I, I didn't have the gas assist performer. I just had the the regular one, um, and I used that for for a n- numerous years. And when I started getting into smoking, I started learning how to smoke on the kettle. So which is, takes a little bit of practice, which takes some practice and some effort. It it ta- it's maximum effort. <laughs> Like it really is because you're constantly playing with um, vents and making sure that your fire is not too big, but it's not too small, making sure that temp kind of stays, stays the same. And I know there's a lot of guys out there that are like, why didn't you use the snake method or the minion method or whatever? Um, I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. <laughs> I, I think it's because that was kind of like pre- super youtube you know what i mean so like i didn't really amazing what you find on that on that site and what you can learn very true true. uh you can get a goddamn college degree uh and i i wasn't i didn't really learn to cook from going on on websites or like forums and stuff like that i learned to cook by burning shit and, and and doing it the hard way you know what i mean and like burning myself and I, I I wouldn't trade that for the world in the sense because it it taught me it taught me how to control my fire it taught me how you know how it should feel where yep. you know where it should be and then I started paying attention to obviously like all those shows where it was like barbecue pitmasters and all that stuff and then that drew me in even more I never got into competition barbecue um, we'll get to one of these days. One day, one day I'll get there. I I will say it's fun to be there. It's fun to be around all those dudes. Um, I would love to help. I just don't know that I would like to be, I don't know if I want to be at the, you know, I don't know if I want to be driving the car. Um, And that's probably the worst thing I could say because I'm totally a control freak. Dude, when we get you out and we'll get get you to one, you're going to get hooked. Because you're going to get into it and you're going to be like, oh, wait, I get to drink all day and then it's sit with a fire or we or using the the cookers you got now. You don't even need to sit with the fire all night and you'll be hooked because it's that perfectionist part of you. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I did did the steak cook offs and those were fucking awesome. Um, steak cook offs were a lot of fun. Uh, if you don't know what they are, go check out, you know, State Cookoffs, uh, SCA. Uh, they're they're a fantastic organization. I know there's a couple other ones that are doing it, but um, they're a lot of fun. And you can you just it, nobody's nobody's really out there being a dick. You know what I mean? Like everyone's out there having fun and cooking and and it's just it's it's the barbecue family. You know what I mean? Um, and I guess I, I didn't get into competition because there were there's not too many competitions up around where I am. There there's more now, like at like there's it's kind of growing in popularity, but there's just there wasn't very many. So no. never really started doing any of that. Then a good friend of mine that actually stood up to my wedding, uh, we started and we started cooking all the time together. And he was he was cooking on a Weber kettle. I was cooking on a Weber kettle. So we were just doing a bunch of shit, having fun, cooking, cooking, cooking. 
And we started look. We're like, okay, cool. There's got to be something better than a kettle. Yeah, the Smoky Mountains nice, but we're like, we live in Chicago, and it's cold. fucking cold half the year. Uh, you know what I mean? Just to say it nicely. Mikey and, got snow <sighs> four days ago before yeah. we record yeah. this. Yes, yeah, so Halloween got day. On Halloween. And I don't mean like we got like we got six inches of fucking snow. Like it was horrible. It really was. And um I keep telling myself every year that I'm I'm gonna leave because it's too <laughs> cold and I never fucking do. But uh like basically we we started looking at different stuff, started looking at different cookers, started educating ourselves a little bit more. Um, really expanding and starting to look at other stuff. And we started looking at like big green eggs and Kamado style cookers. And then um, we started looking at, you know, like a little bit nicer, you know, insulated cookers. And we were like, okay, well, uh, our, our girlfriends at the time were like, you guys are not spending $4,000 on a cooker. Like that's just not the, you, and it, like we both lived in the city so it was yeah. like, you can't put that cooker anywhere anyways. Like, you need something with a smaller footprint. So we ended up, both of us ended up getting big green eggs. I got an XL. He got a large. Um, okay, because that's a small footprint. An XL. It's a smaller footprint than you're laying. <laughs> true. I See, I got you there. It's a smaller footprint than you're laying. It's only this is true. It's only 24 inches. So it's not that bad. Like when you put it in a big table, yeah, it's different. But yeah. you know, the the actual footprint's not that bad. Um, so I got mine. He got his, and we started cooking. You know, a shit ton of stuff. I mean, I remember doing my first brisket on a kettle, and oh, dude, the worst brisket I've ever I've ever eaten. I don't, you know, and. Those are the kind you always remember. Yeah, but you know it's bad when you can remember how bad that brisket was and you got blackout drunk that night. <laughs> like, here, here's the thing. We decided that we were going to do a brisket um, almost six years ago now um, on New Year's Eve. <laughs> you decided this was a good idea, right? You're laughing because you you know exactly where the story is going. Uh, so we go get this brisket. It, it's a beautiful brisket, really, really nice. Trim it, or to, to some extent trim it. Um, I, it was not trimmed well. It really wasn't, uh, thinking back on it, with how I trim briskets now. And uh, just, oh, I've <laughs> learned so much more. But... Trimmed this brisket and put it on the kettle, right? Fought the temperature the whole day. That cat or that day there was a snowstorm. Um it started snowing. We ended up getting like a foot and a half of snow. While trying to maintain a kettle. While trying to maintain a kettle in the winter. <laughs> this is just this is a good I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? So we started at 9 a.m. 
thinking like, okay, we're going to do 225, 250. We're going to go for like, you know, 15 to 16 hours. It's going to be a really long smoke. It's going to be awesome. Like, we know what we're doing. We totally didn't at the time. You're toasted. So we, we go back in the house. Like, we started it. It's going. We knew we had like 25 to 30 minutes to just hang out. And it was freezing cold, so we went back in the house. We go back in the house, and both of us look at each other, and we're like, drinks? Like, yeah, why not? Let's start drinking. <laughs> so we start drinking at, like, 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> Mind you, this is, it's New Year's Eve, so we know we're going to drink. Basically the, the rest of the day. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're, we're going to be drinking. And both of us, instead of being like, we should pace ourselves and, like, drink beer. No. We're both like, let's That's drink hard alcohol. <laughs> and I'm, I, we started drinking and put down a bottle. And then we're like, let's walk to the liquor store and get another one. <laughs> None of this is a good idea, by the way. I don't recommend cooking like this in any way, shape, or form. But, no. you know, when you're young and dumb and you want to cook, you cook and sometimes briskets don't come out the way briskets should come out. That's been there the first party I ever did. Like, had a bunch of friends coming over. And I'm still learning the lang. And same thing. I started at, you know, 11 o'clock the night before. Start. And... and I started, I got at about 8.30 the next morning. I'm like, fuck it. I've been up long enough. I'm going to have a beer. Yeah, worst idea ever. And by the time everybody was there, somehow I sliced a brisket. Still got all my fingers. Don't know how. Everybody loved it for what I can remember that they told me. They lied to you. Yeah, they probably. They lied to you. <laughs> but you know what? I, that's okay, right? I mean, and then I got then I did a couple more briskets on the uh, on the Weber, and they started actually coming out like not shoe leather, and um, that that helped. And then I really started um, trying to learn brisket. Uh, brisket is a is a fucking beast to to tame. Um, just because there's, so, yeah, just because there's so much shit that can go wrong, and usually uh, anything that can go wrong tends to go wrong. So I started learning that. Um, I mean, I, I learned a lot of my smoking on on the on the lovely pork shoulder because I mean you can beat the hell out of those fucking things and they still come out relatively edible, um, and. You know, but doing briskets and doing all that, and then I got the egg, and um, I I started doing. I did a couple briskets on the egg, and they came out relatively moderately good, like to the point where people were like, "This is actually pretty good." And um, I was like, "Okay, cool." So I'm getting a little bit better at brisket, and I kept pushing. You know, kept pushing the the, the brisket. But the, the hard thing always was with brisket was uh, there's so much damn food. Like, 
what do you do with 13 pounds of brisket if there's two of you? <laughs> like, I, here's the thing. Like, I know some people are like, oh, no, it's great. You just eat brisket every day. Like, I don't want to eat brisket, brisket every day for lunch and dinner for seven days straight. Like, I yeah. just don't. <laughs> brisket poor boy, brisket soup, yeah. brisket eggs. Yeah, eventually it's just like, dude, I don't, I don't want to see a brisket. So I got, you know, stop. I, I kind of got burnt out on doing briskets, and then I moved to uh, short ribs and did the did the full plate short ribs. And I just called yeah. brisket on a stick. Brisket on a stick. And yep. they were fantastic. You know what I mean? And um, I, I still think when it, when people ask me, like, I, I hate this question of, like, what's your favorite thing to cook? Nothing. <laughs> you know, like, what's your, what's your, that's like, like, what do you mean, what's my favorite thing to cook? Like, I think people, for some odd reason, think, like, I cook differently when I'm cooking chicken versus, like, when you're cooking a brisket. Well, yeah, like, I they, don't. No. Like, you I can mean, ask me what my favorite thing to eat is. Yeah, but that's a very different question. Exactly. But favorite thing to cook, like, dude, it's the same. Like, I can understand some people not liking to cook ribs because they don't like taking membrane off. Get a pair of the pliers. If no, but just I, telling anybody, rib skinners, rib yeah, skinners, get them. You get, you get what I'm saying. Like, that could be like one of the things, like being like, oh, it's a little more work. But as far as cooking wise like when i'm cooking i'm at like i'm in my zen zone like that's when that's when shit's actually good <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't matter what it is you're you got a fire going and that's the that's the key exactly like the fire keeps you um keeps you at peace and now cooking on i i've upgraded from the uh, big green egg. I mean, I have I have a bunch of cookers in my backyard, uh, but uh, commercially we cook on the uh, Myron Mixon H two O, and um, that that's just a whole different beast. You know what I mean? Uh, and you've cooked on them, and you've cooked on the lane. The lane's a beautiful beautiful thing. And uh, I mean, I'm sure you remember when I was I was kind of debating on what cooker to go to. I was I was talking to you a lot about that, and we were talking the differences between the laying and, and, and the mixing and, you know, the pros, the cons and all that. And since you've cooked on both, like I, I was, you know, fat, listening to your opinion and all that. And the reason I ended up going to the mixin was the insulation. And that's kind of what you, you even told me, you were like, listen, the laying is going to eat you out of house and home in wood <laughs> in the winter. Like if you plan on cooking in 30 degree weather or negative 30 degree weather, it's going to struggle and it's not going to, you're, you're going to be throwing so much wood in that thing just yeah. to keep time. Yeah. And it's, you know, we did. And for those of you who didn't hear the last time I was on with Mikey, when Mikey actually interviewed me, that was a big topic was what was Mikey going to get? Yeah. And you know, I had talked to Mikey a long, what we had been talking for, probably two years but by that point yeah and we we met down at myron's class yep and kept talking which way was this gonna go and 
you know, that's one thing I will tell. I tell any everybody, there's a cooker for every situation, and find the one that's gonna work to do the cooking you're doing. Just yeah. not a pellet. <laughs> just, just preferably not a not a not a pellet cooker. Um, and I think a lot of people look at look at it and I, they they give me shit though. Like you would just hate pellet cookers. Um, and it's not that I just I, – I hate pellet cookers because um, I do, but they're outdoor crock pots in a sense. And um, the thing that I don't like about them is the advertisement that they're putting behind it saying, like, you will be a pit master. Motherfucker, you're not going to be shit. You're going to be a button master, if anything. Like, you'll learn how to twist a dial. Um, I got shit the other day on a form – and I wasn't even trying to be, like, a dick about it. I was just stating a fact. This guy posted saying, you know, my Traeger, it, it's been, it's having a hard time holding temperature. I don't know what's going on with it. Blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking about changing cookers. What do you guys recommend? And my reply was anything that you don't fucking plug in. Not because it was a Traeger. I don't care what it was. It was not something you don't plug in because then you're not relying on that plug to work, the electronics to work. Like, do I have a flame boss for my big green egg? Absolutely, I have a fucking flame boss for my big green egg because I'm a nerd and I like the science behind it also. But it, I don't have to use my flame boss to make my big green egg go, go where I want it to go. You know what I mean? Like to keep the temps that I want it to keep. Same thing with like my mixing. It's like, dude, there's no fucking fan on that thing. It would have to a be a gigantic fan. Cause that's a big ass cooker. But like people ask me, they're like, how do you set your vents? Dude, I don't mess with my vents. My vents are completely wide open on my, on my mixing. They're wide open yeah. on the bottom and they're wide open on the top. The way that I, I control temperature is by the size of the split that I throw in and controlling the fire and making sure that I'm stoking the fire correctly, and that's it. Like So if I want a little bit hotter, I'm throwing maybe two smaller splits in so that they burn hotter. Um, and yeah. having a good coal bed, that, that's huge. It's all about fire management Yep. and understanding what the fire is going to do and what you do to control it. Yep. And I think that's a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people struggle with understanding that and understanding that I take bigger splits and make them to smaller splits. And then they're like, well, why'd you make that into a smaller split? Cause I, I need less fuel because I'm only maybe 15 degrees away from my, from my goal temperature. Right. So it's like, okay, cool, I'm 15 degrees away. If I throw this split in right now that may be the size of my fist, that's going to get me to 25 or four or 30 degrees over. Well, if I make that into a half, that's about 15 degrees. There we go. Boom, done. Boom. You know, and it, it's just learning that and learning your pit. And like like you said earlier, it, it's there. there's a pit for every um, – for everything – uh, there's a lot of people that think, uh, the barrels are, are the best way to go. And I think they're badass. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but 
if, if you don't want to cook hot and fast, you're going to struggle a little bit on that barrel getting it down to 225. I, I've I, got my bill. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, like, what temp do your barrels like to sit at? My barrel, one of them likes about 280, and one of them's about 250. Okay. And I did, as you said, the nerdy thing. I got a guru. Yep. And that was the best thing I could I did for being able to get the temperatures high, hotter or colder with it because now I could shut off the damp there are other dampeners and let that work and let that feed the oxygen yeah and you know barrels are awesome uh the new Oklahoma Joe barrel is really really cool um totally want one of those um I'm gonna campaign that till eventually one shows up in my backyard Uh, um but those those things are fucking super cool um but you know, there, there are some great other barrels out there. Um, Big Papa Smokers makes a badass one. Uh, double, uh, double O Barrels, which is right in our backyard in, uh, in the in the Chicago suburbs. That guy's fucking super cool. Uh, and he's making some badass cookers. But it's like, I, I, if, if pellets get you into it, if that's your gateway drug, fantastic. But same thing with, like, electric smokers or um, gas, gas smokers. If that's your gateway, fantastic. But don't sit there and preach to me and tell me that that small little pellet is going to produce the same amount of smoke as my, as my split does. Because it doesn't. It's, you know, it's a byproduct, and, and you can go, go through that. If you want to take one of my classes, I'll, I'll teach you it. But... Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, dude, the pellet will never create that the, the smoke flavor that that you know your lang's gonna create. It just won't. It doesn't. It does. It doesn't have enough force to do it. And it yeah, there's not enough BTUs. There's not enough. Energy, yeah, and there's not enough moisture content in the in the pellet, and and that's where it comes from. Yep, and that's um, you know. Do I, I mean, cooking over lump charcoal, yeah, that's fantastic. That's, I mean, if I'm not cooking over real splits, I'm cooking over lump charcoal. And um, it's it's all, like, obviously I started with briquettes because that's what I knew, or, like, that's kind of where I started. But I I learned quickly. <laughs> and I, I, I did the nerdy thing, and I, I bought a lot of cookbooks, and they're all the fucking same. <laughs> uh it's so funny like people will be like oh did you get this new cookbook i'm like no but i bet you i got the recipe <laughs> you know it's like it it, it there there's no real difference in cookbooks and there and i'm not saying that against anyone that wants to write a cookbook or anyone that uh has written a cookbook you guys are doing some fantastic stuff believe me um and i know it's hard to write a cookbook but um there's only so many goddamn ways you can tell a person to make pulled pork, and there's only so many so many ways you can tell somebody how to make you know brisket sliders or you know something like that. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with fifty different ways to be told how to do it. Um, I just think that person you know took and created their own way, and that, that I think that's super cool because um, yep. I think that's how they that's how people create their cooking style, right? Yep. So what I got to ask is you've been, so you're cooking on these big green eggs and everything. What the hell made you say, I'm going to start talking to people 
and recording this shit because I like to hear myself talk about it. <laughs> I hate to hear myself talk. Um, no, I wanted to start like a blog or something to educate myself more and kind of like learn with others, right? And I was like, I know some stuff about cooking. I'm getting okay at it. Um, how do I share this to the world, right? And I was like, let's do a blog. We're going to write a blog, and I'm going to put a blog post out every week about some new cook that I'm doing and blah, 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 blah. And I enjoy photography, so I was like, I'll, I'll be able to, you know, shoot food and have all this fun stuff and whatever. And then I like, I wrote like a couple blogs, and I was like, I fucking hate writing. <laughs> like, I I am not writing is not my strong suit. Um, I just don't like it. And my wife Amanda was like, at the time she was still my girlfriend. Um, she was like, you, she's like, your blogs take me like just as long to edit as they take for you to write them. So maybe you shouldn't fucking write. <laughs> I was like, but I'm like, well, then what do I do? And one of my neighbors at that time actually taught, he, he taught a class I believe he taught radio broadcasting and podcasting. So he was like, why don't you do a podcast? He's like, you can talk to people, you know how to talk, and you can carry a conversation pretty well. So why don't you just do podcasts? And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do a podcast. I'm, and then <laughs> and my second question was, how the fuck do I do a podcast? <laughs> Because learning barbecue wasn't enough. Yeah, I'm like, how do I do a podcast? Like, how do I make this work? And he was like, just start putting it out. And like, if I, like knowing what I know now, I would have set my podcast up like way differently. But yeah, at the time I didn't know shit. So I was just like, okay, cool. So this is how you do it. And I'm just going to create this thing and just start doing it. And he's like, just start doing it. He's like, don't worry about it. No one's going to listen to you at the beginning. And I was like, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, Thanks. cool. Like, let's do it. So started doing the podcast. Started, like, putting it out there for the world. Started the Instagram. Um, started a Facebook page and, like, made a website and all that stuff. And started, like, messaging, like, people being like hey do you want to be a guest on my podcast and they were like cool does anyone listen to it i'm like nope (laughs) (laughs) so slowly like got a couple people to agree to you know sit and chat barbecue with me and uh it started growing a little bit little bit here a little bit there a little bit there then i started gaining a pretty good traction on the instagram right Uh, i was taking pictures of my food posting it and I was cooking a ton at that time because you got to feed the beast um and trying to like trying to make my pictures better and I was you know hitting Instagram trying to look for like in like cool cooks that people were doing like 
not to necessarily like copy or mimic, but just to give me inspiration of like what I want to cook next. Because yeah. I think I think we all get there where we're like, cool. What now do what? I cook next? Like, and like then you go to like one of my favorite things is just to go to the store and kind of like. What is this piece of meat? What can I do with it? Exactly. Like walk aimlessly in the butcher department and be like, ooh, pretty. I'm going to buy that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like try to figure out how to make a meal around it. And yep. that's that's kind of how we started the podcast. And we started. To, I started talking to more and more people. And then more people were like, oh, I want to come on the show. And I was like, oh, okay. So... I, I did that, and it, I always wanted to keep it like super open, where it's like we'll talk to anybody. We'll we we'll talk to you know the you know somebody who just won fifteen competitions, and then the dude that cooks on his Weber kettle in the backyard, and this dude owns fifteen restaurants and is you know a you know a monster barbecue superstar type person, and this dude likes to cater a party three you know three times a year and that's all he does or yep. stuff like that. Or like this guy does like, you know, owns a small like niche barbecue scraper company, like, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. Like just, just, I wanted to have all these different, different like people that were on it. So, so it wasn't just your basic, like, competition barbecuers yeah here we go like we're talking to the next big barbecue dude or this person's a huge big barbecue blogger and and i was like cool great where's the person that like actually like cooks because they love cooking or and i'm not saying that those people don't cook because they don't they don't love cooking but just like this dude doesn't have fifty thousand instagram followers he just really likes posting pictures of a steak on thursday nights and and he cooks really well, you know, and that's kind of, and he has interesting stories, you know, to tell. So that's kind of where I tried getting everybody. And it was so funny. Like a lot of people were like, dude, your podcast is never going to make it because you're not niching down enough. Like you, your topics are way too broad. Barbecue is just too broad of a topic. But the, that's, that's what I always liked when I first started listening to you was the niche was no niche. Yeah, it was it it wasn't the same thing every time the yeah. same guy saying I went to this class and then I went to this competition or this. It was everything. Yeah. And that's kind of where I, I wanted it to be. I want like my like it was so funny, like my neighbor, even like when I talked to him, I was like, OK, cool. So he's like, so what's your, you know what's your idea? And I'm like, you know, I was traveling a lot at the time for my old job too. And I was like, I, I want it to be like, as if I met a dude at the bar on a layover and we sat and talked for an hour and a half in the restaurant, you know, in, in the, at, at the airport bar and we just talked barbecue and somebody fucking recorded it and put it out there. And there's no, it doesn't matter which direction you go. There, you know, at, at the beginning, I did have like some questions and like, and I, and I got away from that pretty quickly. Um, and I just realized that it just a straight conversation is just so much fucking better. And being 
able to take it any way you want to take it. You know, if somebody talks like they want to talk about their cookers or they want to talk about, um, you know, like a, a kick-ass table that they made for their cooker, like, let, let's talk about that. Let's fucking, that's great. You want to talk about how you cook? Great. You want to give some cooking tips? Great. You want to talk about um, what charcoal you use for 45 minutes? Awesome. Let's talk about why you like that charcoal. Um, and we just kind of went that way with it. And I started booking people and I started getting, uh, started getting more people on the show and I started getting some people with followers and people that, um, had some kind of like media presence and it, it started taking off slowly and we started gaining more traction and more followers. And then I think, I think the, 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 probably one of the coolest things was, so I get this like email, right? And I get an email and it's like, hey, I we want to fly you to New York. And I was like, what? why? I was like, why? You want to fucking fly me to New York? And they're like, we want to fly you to New York for the opening of our new Arby's. Um, of an Arby's? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, okay. And at the time, like, I was like, well, I'm like, you got to fly Amanda out too. And they were like, that's cool. It's like, fuck, it worked. <laughs> so wow, like, I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah. So, like, Arby's fucking flew us out to New York for the opening of Arby for this new Arby's. Um, and it's not, like, anything, like, crazy. It's not, like, a concept restaurant or anything. It's just fucking Arby's in Times Square. And they took us on this, like, Meets of New York tour. And it was really cool. We got to go through the old, you know, um, meatpacking district, which is no longer... Anything literally anything back. no because i mean none of I mean, it's fucking you know chanel is there and <laughs> louis vuitton is in the fucking meatpacking district because rents are fucking four billion dollars so it's like none of those meatpacking guys can fucking pay that yeah. you know um that if you ever seen the movie coyote ugly like she was in the meatpacking district it was a very it was a very bad area it wasn't good um her rent was like dirt cheap and that's why she was able to do a bar like that because rents were super low. Well, like after that movie came out and that bar got so much traction, so much like name recognition, the landlord literally skyrocketed her fucking rent like overnight, you know? And it's sad because it's like that pushes out a lot of, a lot of those kind of businesses and it's happening. It's the same thing that's happening in Chicago. I mean, meatpacking district isn't really, really the meatpacking district anymore. It's uh, Google just like moved into like the meatpacking district in Chicago, you know, a couple of years ago. So you can only imagine what they did to all the rents and all, all that shit. And Hey, you know where you got to go cater next. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's kind of, that, that's kind of what's happening in, in that transition. And then we started getting a little bit bigger. Um, the Instagram started getting some real good traction um, and started getting a lot of followers. And, I mean, I, I think at, at, at Instagram, at our Instagram kind of peak point, we were probably gaining like uh, 400 followers to 500 followers a day. Were you um, ready to throw your phone out the window when, when that hit? Yeah. Um, 
It was, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, because it wasn't just the followers, it was also, like, likes. So, like, if I would post, my phone would just blow up. It'd just be like, ding, 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 like, just start going off. And, unfortunately, like, since the Instagram is over 100,000 followers now, um, and we don't pay for advertisements, and we don't pay for followers, we don't pay for any of that kind of shit... Um, and we don't pay for ads, like we don't do sponsored posts, uh, Instagram, because they're owned by Facebook, really fucks with our algorithm and really doesn't put us in front of a lot of people, which is why our likes are so, like, so far down. And I'm just like, whatever, fuck it. I, I really don't, I don't care. Um, I'm not going to spend a bunch of money to show my followers my posts. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, um, we've done really well with keeping people on, on, uh, on the podcast and the podcast is doing really, really well. And I'm really proud of that. Um, more than, more than the Instagram numbers, you know, people are like, Oh my God, you have that many followers. It's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, I'm still just a dude that posts barbecue pictures. You know what I mean? Um, I cook some shit and take pictures. Yeah, exactly, and uh, it, it the the podcast the fact that people listen to me every week is more mind blowing to me than somebody liking my photo on Instagram. Yep. So you did the podcast, and now you've transitioned into doing into actually trying to make money cooking barbecue. Yes. So. Um, Obviously, uh, I have a deep love for cooking, deep love for barbecue, and um, and a glutton for punishment. And and I yeah, and I like punishment. What can I say? Um, I, I think I think anyone that wants to be an entrepreneur is slightly fucked in the head, um, to put it nicely. And you have a couple screws loose, and there has to be something seriously wrong with you. And I'm all of those. I'm just fantastically all of those put together into one little human and uh i opened um i started a catering company called fire and smoke barbecue um so we're fire and smoke barbecue company we we do caterings we do we do pop-ups inside breweries we don't have a storefront which still people like cannot grasp whatsoever they're like oh cool so where's your restaurant i'm like in front of you (laughs) isn't that funny and they're like, no, that's not really funny. We don't get it. Like, we're like, we cook out of a commercial kitchen, um, and then we bring hot food to you. Here we go. And then we sell it inside this brewery. And if you don't buy it, I don't make any money. So basically, and you can't just show up somewhere else. Show up at my <laughs> restaurant to eat tomorrow. Ex- yeah, exactly. So it's now or never. Here we go. Um, like I've had a couple people that are like, can we just show up at the kitchen? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, why not? And I'm like, because, like, it's a commercial kitchen. It's in, like, an industrial park. <laughs> like, it, it, like, there's nowhere for you to come, like, in. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it's a key access point. Like, you, you can't, like, knock on the door. And, like, there's no, like, you know, it's not like it's a password. Easy. Yeah. So, they, they, they just don't get it. But... Um, so we do catering, we do that, uh, we have us, we, we now have a seasoning line, um, I was gonna put, I mean, the seasoning line's been, 
been in my head for a while. Uh, I was gonna put it out under Man Meat Barbecue, but um, I I I just didn't. You know what I mean? Um, I had the recipe. I, I was tweaking the recipe. It took me about four years to put out my first recipe, uh, uh, which was now called Windy City Rub. Um, awesome and, stuff. Buy it. Thank you, thank you. Uh, that that's that that one took about, like I said, that one took about four years to really perfect. Um, it doesn't have any sugar in it. If if you if you are health conscious in that sense, um, I didn't do no sugar because of health reasons there that that's not why I did it um I did no sugar I wanted to make a rub with no sugar in it because I didn't like the way that sugar was caramelizing for me and I didn't like how quickly it would caramelize if somebody was to cook with my rub and didn't know what they were doing. That was a big a big point for me. Because it was like, if somebody purchases this product and goes home and knows nothing, and there's a high sugar content. And then it looks like crap. going to look like crap, and they're going to post that on the internet. So I was like, how do I change that? How do I, you know, how do I give them the, the best hand, hand up? So I kept looking for different things, and I ended up going with honey powder um, to, to sweeten the rub out. Because it, it does have a little bit of sweetness, but it has a little, it has, it has good kick and good heat to it. Um, and I guess some people have told me, like, you should call it the hot, you know, hot. Let people know that it's really spicy. I don't think it's that spicy, and I'm a pussy when it comes to spices. No. So it's, um, it's not. I think it has a kick. I think it definitely has a little bit of heat to it, but it's not. It's not anywhere near. It's not like a chipotle rub or something. Yeah, like it's not anything that like you would need to be like, oh my god, this is a super hot rub. No. Um. So put that out, uh, and it now that we did the you know now that we did fire and smoke barbecue company, uh, it just felt right. Like it was like okay, cool. Like we should put out this rub and my designer did a killer job at putting together the the label and we you know me and him worked really really closely together on where we wanted that label to be and how we wanted it to be and um i put that rub out and then i and then i put out the classic which is a suit like it it that's been a rub of mine forever in the sense of like i've been mixing that and just leaving it and just using it for everything. And then, you know... Oh, it's, it works on... Damn near everything. everything. It's literally everything. Uh, it, it's just... I mean, it's your four basic ingredients. You know, you got your salt, your pepper, your garlic, and your onion powder. And it, it's going to work on eggs. It's going to work on brisket. It's going to work on potatoes. It's going to work on vegetables. It's going to work on pork if you want it to be on pork. Um... It'll work on steaks. It's going to work on chicken. It's just every, like you can season everything with it. Um, we uh, we actually put it in our mac and cheese. So I put it into my cheese, my my cheese mix. And um, Ooh. yeah, it, it really it kicks ass in there and adds just a little bit more of a popping flavor. But 
that I that I didn't really like. I mean, I've had that forever, and I was like, okay, cool, we're gonna put that out, and it it, it is a little bit more garlic heavy. Um, Garlic's good. If you're Italian, it's never garlicky enough, but it is it is a gar- it is a garlic heavier rub. So, um, and I'm I'm a big fan of garlic, so I really like that one. And so I was like, we should create this one too. And then uh, the shiitake rub, which is a mushroom for anyone that doesn't know what a shiitake is, um, we get we get a lot of uh, interesting humans that read it incorrectly and um, <laughs> ask us why the fuck we would name a rub that. And uh, I look at them and I go, it's pronounced shiitake, and it's a mushroom. And then they just stare at me like I just blew their mind for the last, you know, 15 minutes, and they were like, holy shit, I'm an idiot. And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, yes. But I don't tell anybody that <laughs> because you can't. Uh, but it, you know, when you get that rub, that rub's a fucking labor of love. And it was one of those things where I really like shiitake mushrooms. I really like, um, I really like truffles, but, um, trying to make a rub out of truffles, nobody can really afford. And, uh, <laughs> no, nobody will pay me what the damn thing is worth in a bottle, right? So I was like, what's another cool mushroom that tastes really earthy and really, really good? And shiitake. Shiitake is a fantastic mushroom. And um, we've talked about this. Uh, me and Kev talked quite a bit. But uh, we were talking about, you know, smoking mushrooms. And, and he's like, you know, they're they're pretty much like sponges. He's like, there's just they just soak everything up and there's so much moisture in them. So what we do is we smoke that mushroom and then we take that mushroom out of the smoker and we dehydrate the mushroom and then we grind the mushroom and then we put it in into into the rub that we created for it. It's fantastic on steaks, vegetables. Um, it, it was created for steak. You know what I mean? That that's really where I I envisioned that rub to go is on the steaks, but people have pushed it into into other other ways people tell me that they really like it on chicken that they love it on vegetables uh that they like it on their burgers and i'm like fantastic put it on everything you know just keep buying it um what i have learned um through throughout that that rub experience is actually we have to age our mushrooms a little bit more now um so we're making that rub even a little longer of a of a making process um is we're smoking the mushroom we're dehydrating the mushroom we grind the mushroom then we put it into a mix then we then we mix the batch of rub that we're going to be doing and we mix it with the mushrooms and then we actually let it sit for about two to three weeks um and that mushroom actually kind of rehydrates a little bit because it is so spongy um, and we don't, I don't dehydrate to nothing. I don't dehydrate it to the, like, to the point where there's no moisture in that mushroom. So if you ever purchase that rub, the rub does tend to cake a little bit, uh, just because of the fresh mushrooms. But I think that's a, that's a fair trade-off to give for the flavor that it gives. And, uh, it, it works, I mean, it works fantastic. Let me tell you, it's just such a that's, good rub. And it's, it's awesome. And when it ages a little bit that that mushroom almost becomes more potent 
Like, just, I don't know what it is. Just kind of, it gives it more life. And it's, it's such a good rub. And then, uh, we will have, we'll, we'll, we'll be releasing a fourth one. Um, and I don't know when this podcast will be airing. So if you guys are listening, if, if it's after, if this podcast airs after Black Friday, which I think it will, um, you would think that I would know when I put my own podcast out, but, uh, I have to look at calendars. I, I have way too much shit running around in my head. Um, but we, we if if this podcast airs after Black Friday, this will already be announced, so it doesn't matter. Uh, we will be putting out a rub called Six Corners, and it is our brisket rub. So it's the it's the rub that we actually put on our briskets commercially, and people have been ranting and raving about him. Uh, I had one guy come up to me, and he's like, "What was on that brisket?" I'm like, "Our house made rub," <laughs> and he's like. That was the best brisket I've ever had in my life. And I was like, holy shit. Uh, okay. You know? Thanks. So, yeah. Like, like I, I'm, a, I'm horrible at taking compliments. Like, I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. And I, and then I'm like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. Like, after they, like, walk away, I should have been like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like, you know, like, freaking out. And everyone's like, you're so awkward when somebody tries complimenting your food or tries complimenting you. I'm like, yeah, because I just don't know what to say. Like, there's there's a reason it's called back a house. Like you were supposed to be left back there. Yeah. Um, there really is. Like we're, we're supposed to be left back there because um, I think Anthony Bourdain kind of said it in that, the the best way of of saying you know front of house is the pretty people and then there's us in the back. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's one of the things with all your rubs, and that's one of the things I don't know if people get is you're making it all. It's not like you're sending it to like a co-packer. Correct. Yeah. Everything goes through, everything goes through my hands. Um, in, in that sense, uh, from, from ingredients to, to, to going into the bottle and the, and the label and everything. Um, we're not co-packing. We don't have a co-packer right now. Uh, that's just not, um, financially feasible with trying to start everything else that we're doing and it's when you when you go to a co-packer i mean don't get me wrong co-packers are fantastic but um they're they want money for their product which is kind of funny right uh but they they want this like they want this money and they, they want to give you a lot of this bottle they don't want to give you 50 bottles. They don't want to give you 100 bottles. They want to give you 5,000 bottles. Like, that's what they want to do because their equipment is set up for mass quantities. And they that's what they want to push out. They want to push out mass quantities. And yeah. it's a hell of a lot easier to make 50,000 pounds of rub than it is to make five. You know what I mean? Like, it really... It, like, I know that sounds weird where they're like, what do you mean it's easier? It's, it's just fucking easier for them because they, they, they measure it down. It's to, in a big bag. Yep. And when you buy 30,000 pounds of black pepper, there's a hell of a difference in price than there is when you buy Two. 20 pounds, <laughs> you know? So, but we're, 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 you know, we're doing it all. It's all done in our, in our kitchen, in the commercial kitchen. And, um. It, it, it's kind of a, a labor of love 
And I, I don't know that I will ever release the shiitake rub to anybody um, to create because I don't think I don't think anyone's going to take the time to smoke the mushrooms the way that I'm going to smoke them, and no one's going to take the time to make sure that the the hydration is where where I want them to be and and all that. So that'll always be a small batch. Now whether or not the other ones go a little bit bigger and commercial and we start you know start Uh-oh. getting getting more people it it might uh you know we might co-pack to those but um if we do co-pack it will the the flavor's not going to change i'm not going to i'm not going to go to a co-packer and have my flavor change there's and they're not going to talk me out of you know i've heard stories where they're like oh use this instead of that cuz it's cheaper i'm not i'm not looking for the cheaper route um i don't think the cheaper route is always best uh, don't get me wrong, when you're on a shelf and you're competing uh, for shelf space and it's, uh, you know, this rub is $4.99 and I'm $10, yeah, you know what, I'm probably going to fucking lose for most people, but somebody who's looking for quality is is probably going to um, pick up the $10 rub versus the $4.99 rub. That's, especially if they look at ingredients... And most first ingredients and in rubs are sugar. And they're like, oh, you know what? I don't want that. I don't want just a fucking... I don't want to buy a bottle of sugar. Yeah, with some salt in it. With, with a little bit of salt and four grains of black pepper uh, to give it some kind of a kick. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good rubs out there that have a ton of sugar in them. But like I said, I, I, I want to help that end product for the customer. And... Uh, I think a lot of people love the color that they're getting out of our rubs. Um, and uh, I have one of my buddies who's talking to me, and he's like, dude, he's like, I think this thing can kill on the competition circuit. He's like, I think I'm going to start using you, your rubs for competition. I'm like, fantastic. <laughs> you know, like, that just helps me out. Yep. <clears throat> well, that was I, – I got – I was lucky enough – Mikey sent me some of the shiitake rub before it had even been out, before there was a bottle or anything. And I placed third in my very first state competition using it, like, first shot. And I, it took me one one cook of a steak to say, holy shit, I'm fucking using this stuff. And never doing a state competition ever before in my life to pull a third to me with a rub that wasn't even out yet was fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it, it, uh, that rub just fucking crushes. Yeah. And it's not like anyone else's flavor profile, which is what I think is pretty fucking cool. Is there's nothing out there like that. It just, there's there, nobody, I mean, I don't know anyone that puts fucking mushrooms in their rub. (laughs) So, it's getting to, you know, surround yourself with people like Kev and other, other, you know, great barbecuers that can give you really good feedback when you can send them, you know, send them a bunch of shit and then be like, tell me what you think. Um, When we were, when we were doing our brisket rub, uh, I think I sent Kev, uh, four or five different samples uh 
What's the Roman numeral? We learned some Roman numerals, apparently. So I, I labeled it correctly on my end. I just labeled it incorrectly on yours. Um, so, you know, shit happens. Uh, but, you know, it's sending... It, it's also getting mixtures right. Um, it's really easy to create a mixture that is in a like small bowl and you put it on one brisket and you're like, dude, I made this fucking badass rub. This is awesome. Like it's so just amazing and blah, 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 blah. I should co-pack this. And then you make a five pound bag of it and you try it and you're like, that doesn't taste like anything I fucking made. And it's like, well, why not? Um, because your ratios are completely off and, um, certain things tend to build as you, you know, as you make these larger, um, amounts, certain things tend to build in flavor that you weren't really ready for and new like flavor notes kind of come out. So that's been a fun learning curve is learning how to scale shit. You know what I mean? Like not not because when we when we mix um when i do when i do runs i do 20 pound runs so i'll do 20 pound batches of our rub and usually i make about three or four of those before we 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 start to bottle just to make sure that we have enough uh rub not to mention uh we use it commercial we use it for us at the catering company so (laughs) some of those go into just a cambro um, and people are, you know, people will always be like, why, why do you have, you know, cause I also, I also bring a Cambro of that home and I leave it at home cause I cook it with it at home. <laughs> and <laughs> my, my little one, uh, I have a two year old. If you guys don't know that she will come up to me and she like points at it and she tries all the rubs. And I, I mean like all of them, she eats the shiitake rub. She eats the, uh, the new brisket rub. She eats the uh, Windy City. She eats the Classic. And it, it's kind of funny when I was working on the brisket rub to kind of perfect it in, in mass quantities. Um, she would try it and she'd be like, mm-mm. Like, she, like <laughs> there'd, there'd be times where she's like, mm. Like, you could totally tell by her face, like, that is not good. Like, that's not the rub that she uh, she likes. And it, it's so funny, like then you, you kind of go back to the drawing board. <laughs> hey, they don't lie. They know what, they know what's good and what's not. Oh dude, it's completely true. I mean, I know like when she tries barbecue, if she tries my barbecue and it, it didn't, didn't hit that day or something was off, the cook wasn't right. Um, you know, I was having an off cook or something. She'll tell me immediately, <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> Like, uh, no, no, not, that's not good. It's like, shit. And that just makes you feel worse about yourself, too, because you're like, I know it's off. And then she, everyone else is like, no, it's really good. And then she tries it, and she's like, no. And you're like, yep, that was confirmed. <laughs> yep. Yep. She, just, she ain't going to lie. She, she confirmed. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks a lot, kiddo. <laughs> Thanks for crushing daddy's dreams today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. But, hey, you know, it's... It's all good. We uh, we keep going, and 
and uh, creating more more rubs. I know I know that I do have a couple that I still want to start working on. I eventually want to put out a seafood rub because um, my wife eats a ton of seafood and um, I a lot of people eat seafood. So uh, I think eventually we want to we want to have a nice round, uh, you know, a rub for, you know, almost everybody. And and I, I don't mean like everybody in the sense, just some something for everything that you could possibly cook and um, have good have a good amount of flavors out there for people to to be able to kind of experiment with and play with and mix mix and match and do all that kind of fun stuff. So I think I think we will put out a couple more maybe um, next year because um, obviously this year's coming to to an abrupt end. And, That's for sure. And I mean, it, it's crazy how fast it's kind of flying by. Um, I quit my day job in April of this year. Fuck! It was April. It was Jesus. April. So I've been full time cooking for uh, what uh, seven months now. It's kind of crazy. It, it's it's very crazy to think that uh, how far we've come in seven months, um, and there's just still so much room to grow. And it, it and anyone that has a small company, uh, they know that there's always growing pains, and we're experiencing quite a bit of them. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you know what? Late staff is is a big growing pain for us right now. Um, because it's one of those things where it's like, I can't really afford you to make it worth your while, but I can't really afford not to have you. To have you. So it's like this weird, like double-edged sword, right? Like I need you to be available for me, but <laughs> I but... don't always need you. <laughs> yeah. Could I pay you in some brisket? Yeah, you know what I mean. So we have, we have, we have one of our buddies that actually does help out quite a bit. Um, he's he's into barbecue and he he's you know he's all about coming out and helping out. And um, I have to teach him shit uh, <laughs> in exchange. But I, I love it anyways. It's it's a you know it's a ton of fun. Uh, but he's not always available, so it's like you know it's it's juggling those things, and then. I'm still teaching classes, which is fun. I get to spread the spread the lovely word of barbecue, um, which I think that might be one of my favorite parts of it is getting to uh, teach classes and getting to give back to the people who don't understand it yet. And I say they don't understand it yet because they will. They will understand it. Um, they just haven't. Uh, sometimes it's that light hasn't clicked yet. And I remember... And I don't know if you ever had this, and maybe you have, like, when you were trying to do a cook, and everything was, like, possibly, everything was going wrong, or you weren't, you couldn't figure it out, like, whatever, and then one day you went and did that cook, and it was like, ding, holy shit. Oh. Yeah, like, that worked. Bonnie like, Python, and they opened the Holy Book of Antioch. Yeah, pretty much, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, that, that clicked. And then it's yep. like, ever since then, you don't 
like you don't do those same mistakes. Um, yep. And I love being able to, to help people out with that and show them like, this is, this is what we're doing. And um, this and is how we're doing it. And, and this is the way I cook. And I, I always start all my classes out with, this is the way that I cook. It doesn't mean it has to be the way that you cook. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's the right way. And it doesn't mean that it's the wrong way. Um, it's just the way that I, I cook and my cooking's changed over the years. Um, you learn new things, you learn new things and you, you put new things into it. Uh, I used to be very, very 225, 250 low and slow. Let's, let's go, let's go the distance. Right. Um, I'm much more at 275, 300 nowadays, uh, being, being at the mix and, the mixing method, you know what I mean? But I think that has to do with the equipment that I cook on. Um, because it when allows. I, yeah, when I cook with my egg, I still go down to 25, 250. I don't, you know, I don't go crazy, but when I cook with the mixin, it allows me to push that product a little bit hotter and, not change the integrity of the product. Yeah. Well, that was the, the, when I went to a cook school, good friend of mine went with me and afterwards, everything he cooked, he was like, they told us to do it like this and like this. I said, I'm like, that's how they do it. You don't have to follow that box. And that's one of the things I love about barbecue. Yep. And I think you do too is, there is there's a there's there's a million different ways to do it. Yeah. And, and every one of them's good. Yeah. And I mean and most people can't tell how you did it unless you tell them. Um I think it's funny when people are like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I I could tell. I no no you couldn't. I I you just whatever. Like it, most people's palates are not that sophisticated. Um and anyone that tells you, oh, yeah, I can totally do that, dude, you're blowing smoke up my ass completely. And yeah, I'm just going to sit there and nod at you and be like, uh-huh, sure. Because it's yeah. it's not true. Like, it's just, like, it's yeah. flat out not true. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to tell me that you can tell the difference between a brisket that was cooked at 250 degrees versus a brisket that was cooked at 275. No. Unless no, I screw it up. Unless, unless it's screwed up. But if those two briskets are cooked to perfect tender, you have no clue. No. I mean, you look at um, look at Franklin, you know, he goes up five degrees every whatever hour it is so that, so that it cooks a little bit faster. Um, and most people don't know that. Most people didn't know that until he kind of released that. No. And they thought he was just low and slow. Well, look at look at what you know. We you talked about what you cook at the mixin. Look at what the guys with the big barrels, shake and bake, and some of the the competition guys, they're cooking a ten pound brisket in six hours. Yeah, and they win with it all the time. Yeah. So it's there's there's you know you, you, it's. It's all depending on that kind of cooking and ability 
is very dependent, like you said, on the cooker. The mix in, you got the water. Yeah. You've got that steam, that moisture. Yep. And that, I mean, that tremendously changes. And, you know, I get this question a lot is how does that affect bark? How does that affect um, anything like that? It doesn't. It really doesn't affect me getting a good bark. I get a good bark set, um, and and it's good, and it's good to go. And same thing with I do chicken wings. We do wings on it all the time. Um, they're actually really popular at our pop-ups. We do a smoked wing, and I can get a crunchy skin off the mixing. And Just it, how to use it. Yeah, I, like I get crunchy skin all the time off of it. And people are like, what do you mean? But there's so much moisture in that chamber. How are you getting crunchy skin? Because I'm cooking. I, I know how to cook that wing for it to create a good crunchy skin. I'm going to bring that wing up to almost 200 degrees where a lot of people are like, chicken's done at 165. It should be done. Like, no, that skin's still chewy. That skin's still not there. But if I bring it up, uh, bring it up to 200 degrees, like I'm getting that nice, good crunch on that skin, and it, it's fantastic. But the but the moisture in the cooker is keeping the meat moist. Exactly. Exactly. So. You know what I mean? The, the, the meat stays nice and moist. Um, I still do wrap my briskets, uh, and, I, and I wrap them mainly mainly for time. Uh, because I just, I, I want to get them done. <laughs> uh, and, and we talked about this earlier in the sense of like, it, it's really cool when you're, um, cooking one fucking brisket in your backyard and having a good time and you're able to take cool pictures and you're, you're able to do all this kind of fun stuff. But when, when you start cooking commercially and sometimes time is not on your side, um, you you gotta get some shit done. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you, you can't stop and and ooh, let's put the knife here and the cutting board and take a picture of this. Yeah, or you know, for me when I wrap the brisket, um, I'll, I'll you know I'll wrap brisket and it, it's to make sure that my product is always the same. It, it, it's always always a consistent product with us. We're always we're always putting out the best product that we possibly can and um consistency is kind of key you know what i mean because the person who eats your brisket on friday and tells their friends to go on the go go to a pop-up on sunday that brisket needs to taste like friday's brisket exactly i mean like it can't be Oh, well, their brisket fucking sucked on Sunday. What were you thinking about Friday? Well, no, it's the best brisket I've ever had. You don't understand. Like, it, they, they need to match. Yeah, especially with with the world of the internet today. And it takes two seconds for somebody to pull out their phone and go, this fucking place sucked. Yeah. People fuck us on Yelp. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's – if you've never seen that, um, I've been following uh, an Instagram called True Cooks. They're, they're a lifestyle brand for – for um for chefs and it's so funny that used to have a sticker that said people fuck us on yelp it was the red like red yelp sticker that you would see that says people love us on yelp 
and I wanted to, I should have bought that sticker. I'm like, I'm going to buy that sticker one day when I open a catering company. And that they, I think they got a cease and desist from, from, uh, from Yelp. They probably did. And, um, I'm still like, I am kicking myself every day. I'm like, I should have bought that sticker. Uh, it's people do it, you know, even, I mean, how many people you get on the Insta on your Instagram that are like, that looks like shit. And you're like, mm, the, the thousand other people that like that commented on the picture disagree with you. Well, I mean, you go, you go onto Instagram and you look at all these pictures and these, these things that are beautiful and, so many people have said, like, oh, this is, like, the best uh, whatever steak that I've ever had. Oh, my God, it's so beautiful. It's so delicious. People eat with their eyes. They have no idea whether that's good or not. But yet they're sitting and telling you this is so amazing. Or, oh, my God, your food looks so good. Well, like you, you talked no about class the other day, the lady that looked at your pork shoulders. Yep. Uh, so here's a fun little story. So we did we did um, we did a barbecue class. We did pork shoulder in it because um, it was a very it was it was kind of like a intro slash medium learning barbecue class, right? No, no real pros in there. I kind of asked. I was like, "Are there any competition cookers or anything like that?" And everyone was like. We don't give a shit about competition cooking. We just want to cook in our backyard. And I was like, fantastic. Here we go. So um, we did this class. We did the class. And, like, I did shoulders. And um, I wrapped them. And they went into the cooler. Or they went, not the cooler, but they went into um, they went into a Cambro to kind of relax and chill for a little bit. And they get pulled up to the front of the class, right? And I unwrap them. And one of the ladies who was part of the part of the, the the companies that I teamed up with was like, "Oh shit, he burnt the pork shoulders. Like they're 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 destroyed." She's like, "They're fucking just destroyed. We have perfect crust. It's beautiful mahogany color. Like this thing is just um just perfect, right? I mean, I grab the bone, pull it out. It comes out." clean like just perfectly clean steaming looks amazing right yeah so it's perfect get my hands into it i break it up it it pulls like i pull a lot of pork shoulders guys like a lot and it it pulled so nicely like it just buttery just a good pull um, like if, if I wanted to get tubes out of it, I could have, it was just so like, it was so nice. Right. And she's like, as soon as you pulled it, she's like, I was like, okay, fine. There's some edible parts. She's like, and then I ate it and she's like, it was amazing. She's like, the bark <laughs> was there. And she's like, I just had no idea. She's like, cause I didn't know what to, what she didn't know what they were supposed to look like. Yeah. And if you oven roast a pork shoulder, it looks way different than when you smoke it. Oh, absolutely. So it was just really funny when she's like, oh, I thought they were burned. <laughs> of 
because Mike sent me a picture and then told me this. He's like, how do these look? And I was like, dude, those are cooked like dead nut color. And he's like, yeah, I was just told they were burned. <laughs> Which was so funny. I mean, it, it's just learning. It's the knowledge. It's uh, getting to tell people what they don't know because they, you know, a lot of people will go on YouTube and I think that's a I think I think going on YouTube is a great place to go. Um, but there is a lot of shit on YouTube that like sometimes you got to filter it and yeah. and look look for the people that actually know how to, how to cook. And as we were talking about like just you know people eating with their eyes and looking at stuff, it's like sometimes something that makes a really good photograph tastes doesn't, like shit doesn't taste very good like i know there's there's a couple like food shoots that we've done that like it's like dude don't don't eat any of this food and people yeah. are like why not it looks so good i'm like yeah don't don't, don't no, eat don't. any of this food like it's it's definitely um not not yeah, edible. We did this for looks, not for taste. Yeah, like it it's over seasoned, it's it's, you know, cooked a certain way to make sure that we get the best visual visual product that we possibly can. And it, then people are like, Yeah, but it's, it looks so good. I'm like, Yeah. That's the point. Don't eat it. <laughs> Please don't eat it. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's like you said. Some of the pictures, like I said, it, it's and it's funny. You take fantastic pictures when you get a chance to. Yeah, I try to. And and that's you know I like I always laugh because mine, I take them with my phone. They they're nice, but I don't like edit them. I don't do any of that. And I've had people like message me and they're like, "Wow, that looks like you fucked that up." And it's like, um, actually no. No, it's, it tastes pretty good. It tastes it perfect, was, spot on. Yeah, and I think I'm sometimes sorry. that's that. Sometimes that's the backfire of um, people that are like, "Oh, perfectly lit," and I took all this time to do this. Like I'm a, you know, blah blah blah. It's like cool, but you cooked two burgers. Like that's not realistic when I'm on a line. Yeah. Like two burgers, and, and how cold were they by the time you got to eat them? Oh yeah, they were fucking stone cold because you took if you, if if you even ate them. You you had a forty five minute photo shoot with your fucking burgers. Yeah, but it's you know, and I'd love to take more photos. I'd love to love to get back into that. But it's like, like we said, you know, when you're when you're moving, and you're and you're doing all this stuff, it you just don't have the time. Like at least for me, I don't I don't have the time to stop and create this stuff. Like when we're like, I always kick myself in the ass for for it. It's like shit. We did this cool, you know, we did this cool brunch, and it's like I didn't take any photos of our food going out. But it's like, when was I? I but when when did I have time? Like. The person who wants to eat that food does not want to see me holding a phone to it. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody wants to see you being like, hold on, let me get the perfect angle and the right lighting for this. 
Like, because they want to do that. Yeah. Right? It's because they want to be the period. They're like, hold on, let me get that. And then... Yeah. And if you have two people doing that on one on one plate of food, then it's really going to be fucking cold. <laughs> and it's just, you know, you got to got to pick your battles, I guess. Um, yeah. And my battle is I'd rather feed you. You know exactly. what I mean? I'll let you take I'll let them take the pictures and, and tag me in them. Yeah, I, I just really want to feed you, and um, that that's my goal in life right now, is, is I want to feed as many people as I possibly can, because that's, really uh, that's really the fun part of it. It's getting to see the person smile and say, oh my god, I love that food, or um, you just ruined chicken wings for me for the rest of my life. That's... That's like enjoyment. Like I like ruining chicken wings for people, like because they're they want my wings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, um, oh my god, I we had we had a we had a lady come up and she's like, uh, this is my fourth mac and cheese from you guys in the last twenty five minutes, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, are you just like crushing our mac and cheese? I'm like, isn't it good? She's like, no, my five year old is, <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. You know, like. I, Sorry that you're spending like fifteen dollars on mac and cheese, but she's like, no, no. She's like, I really don't care. She's nope. like, he doesn't eat ever. <laughs> she's like, so the fact that he's like destroying your mac and cheese, she's like, it's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> How much to buy it to come to bring some home? Yeah, but I mean that that's kind of like she was just like, I'm so stoked that he's destroying it because so like she's like, he doesn't eat very often. Like you know you know kids. They're like, uh, no, uh, no. Like we had, um, we did a pop up the other night, and uh, there was a three year old, I believe he was, I believe he was like three, and the dad was like, I'm gonna try to feed him your food, but I don't know. So he came back afterwards, and you know, he like walked by us. I'm like, so I'm like, how's the review? He's like, you guys got two thumbs down from him. He said it looked yucky. He's like, I fucking loved all of it, and I'm like, well, great. Like, you know, it's a three-year-old. I'm not going to – he didn't even try it in the sense, like, his dad said that, like, he likes to cook, but he doesn't eat any of the food that he cooks. So, like, they'll cook together, and then he goes, uh-uh, that's gross. <laughs> but yet, like, he says, like, like they'll put pizzas together or, like, they'll, they'll do whatever, and he'll be like, that looks so good, and then they cook it. And then he's like, ew, it's gross. <laughs> so he's just – you know, he'll learn. Yeah. yeah, they'll get there. Yep. And it and it's also funny when people, you know, now that I've uh, been doing it so long, and it, it, before I barely ate the like barely was hungry at the end of cooks. Now I'm like really not hungry at all. You know, after cooks and then after doing service, you're just like, I, nope, um, I don't want anything that I just cooked. Yeah, like. I, I have no desire, like no desire to eat that soda from someplace completely different. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just, but I think that's part of the industry. Um, is when you're prepping for other people and you're and you're cooking for other people, you get the satisfaction out of them eating it, not out of you. you know, Enjoy. You yeah, exactly. Like the satisfaction comes from you eating it and me 
and and that's that's super satisfying to me is is you enjoying my food. Yep. Yeah, watching them smile and be like, "Oh my god, that was delicious." Yeah. And and I mean, you know it. You're you're working behind a uh, a grill. About are you are you there just every Sunday? Right, just on Sundays. Yeah, just on Sundays. So he he's behind the he's behind a cooker on a, every Sunday and and pushing some good shit out. And he he'll send me some pics and um, Kev Kev's doing some some badass shit out there. Uh, getting to play with getting to play with some really nice briskets and uh, you guys, what you guys do the other day that was really cool. The uh, the char sweet. No, it was something else. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I sent you. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, there's too many damn things. Uh, but it there was there was something that I was like, damn, that was really cool. And then we were talking about turkey breasts, and and doing that kind of shit. And um, yeah. we, it, it it's fun being able to talk food, in that sense, um, and being able to talk with people that are kind of in the trenches also. You know what I mean? Because, like, when you start getting a line and, and the tickets start forming, there's very few people that understand that pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, it's definitely when, when you're slicing. So the place I work on Sundays, we slice right there in front of you. Yeah. And when it's literally as fast as I can cut a brisket, the, the line is just still forming and you're just like, just keep going and okay, nope, give me a turkey. And now I got sliced turkey and you're trying to cut it nice and uniform, clean. It's good. Get it plated correctly. And you're doing it. We're doing it literally in front of you. Yeah. It's that, like you said, that pressure of tickets flying is, is definitely, you know, when they're staring at you, like watching you, cut their food and can you do it faster please yeah can, can, can i eat that now <laughs> yeah. like, well especially like we do we glaze our ribs we do a, a peach mop that at this restaurant we have a big open fire yeah right in front of you and we glaze the ribs with the peach mop on the open fire right there so i have to take the the rack if you're getting a half rack or a whole rack cut it glaze put the glaze on and then put it on that fire, and right. I have to t- watch it while I'm still cutting more br- other brisket or turkey or corned beef or something, and yeah. then grab it out. It, it's, some, it's intense, and some people think I'm nuts. I learned a trick from the barbecue competition stuff. I wear cotton gloves under my latex, yep, so I can just reach over and, and pick grab. up a piece of food instead of having to mess around with tongs and it's funny what the some of the people think it's awesome to see me literally reaching over this big fire pit to grab it instead of like standing back like i'm scared of it with a pair of tongs to try to pick them up well because they're used to what they do at home exactly you know what i mean and i use the cotton gloves also because it's just easier and it's so funny when people are like wait a minute you just pulled that shoulder with your hands how are your fingers not, you know, a million degrees? And I'm like, well, I have very little feeling. <laughs> as, as a burned them off. You know, I, I, I burned some stuff off and, you know, 
I, I, um, I've said it a couple times and people are like, oh, I want to learn how to cook from you. Or like, I want to come like learn how to really cook on the mixing from you. And I'm like, have you ever had a strong urge to stick your hand in a fire to move a piece of wood? And they're like, no, I've never had that. I'm like, yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> Especially that thing. you got to reach in there pretty far. Yeah, exactly. But it's like sometimes you have to. Oh, absolutely. Like you don't really have another option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're reaching in and uh, I got to move this. It's burning. Oh, okay. Or like if – I mean like I've gotten – like there are some times where, you know, you throw – you throw a stick in and it starts burning really dirty and it's gross. You got to pull that fucker out and, yeah. you know, drop it. And there's nothing you can do besides sticking your hand in a goddamn fire. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously I'm wearing gloves when I'm doing that. Uh, but it's still, I mean, you can still feel some of it. And, um, I have picked up some smoldering stuff like barehanded where I was like, I don't feel like grabbing a glove. <laughs> you know, let's just lick the fingertips and go for it. Yeah. Uh, and then same thing with, you know, pulling shoulders out and putting ribs or pulling ribs out and pulling briskets out to wrap them. It, you know, you're doing it pretty much with your hands. And if, if that glove does get a little puncture, ooh, Ooh. you're going to feel that for a little bit and it's going to, it's going to be a little rough. A couple pairs of gloves with you and you start to, they get a little sweaty and then oh. they start to steam inside there. Oh, those are always fun. That's, that's oh. the best. But you it's give, fun. Give your the, hands a manicure. The, you say the pork shoulder thing. It's amazing. How many people are like, you don't use the claw things or something like that. I'm like, no, I, I, I want to pull it and, I'll get it done twice as fast as you as you will with the claws. Oh yeah, hands. Oh, because I'll just grab it and just shred. You yeah. know what I mean. And the claw, you have to be like, I, Pull I, apart I and twist it around. To be honest, I've tried the claws, and I don't like. I feel like, like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, er, like, what am I like? I don't know, like. I, I feel like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then like you take them away from me, and I'm just like, "Cool, here we go." Cool. I will say no. that I did get the drill attachment. Um, I haven't tried that yet. It's fun. It's hard to um, sometimes keeping a consistent uh, texture is a little bit will be a little bit difficult. But um, when you're pulling seven to eight shoulders at a time, it makes life yeah. easier. <laughs> <laughs> it looks cool while you're doing it. It looks cool. It's a lot of fun. But if I'm doing two or three shoulders, it's all hand. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's just faster. I can, I can do them pretty quickly get a yeah. good good product um and i've changed kind of the way that i cook uh shoulders now too i put about four to five hours of smoke on them and then i put them in a foil pan and wrap them and it keeps my top bark solid but it saves so much of those juices to pour you know to pour into it it just um keeping that moisture content 
because I because you get you got to keep food a little bit longer when you're selling it. Um, exactly. Then you just in your you know then somebody in their backyard who you know they'll pull their shoulder and they eat right away. Yeah. So keeping that moisture content is just so important. Yeah, and keep that that juice. Yeah. Keep, rather keep it rather keep it in the natural juices than have to add sauce. Correct. Yeah. Or adding like chicken broth or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I rather just have it be in pork fat. Yeah, chicken. You know, bad. or like same thing with the briskets. Like instead of adding beef broth, wrap that brisket. Get that yep. lovely brisket fat rendered out. Woo-hoo. Yep. I uh, we when we do when we do our brunches, we actually make um, we make a brisket gravy. So I render out all my trimmings. Oh. So, and people are like, "Why don't you just render it off the brisket?" And I'm like, "Cause I want more fat, and yeah. all that trimming is just fat." <laughs> And then you also um, you also kind of make like a a brisket fat kind of like chicharron kind of yeah that's like like yeah that's the best thing I can explain. It's not skin, so it's not technically, yeah. but it's damn near close to it, and it's fucking yep. fantastic. Yeah. See, I do like when I do turkeys. When I do, I'll do, I'll put a pan under them. Let them render smoked yeah. gravy off the turkey. Yeah, and that's you never eat gravy any other way once you have that. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Same thing with uh, we do we do a chicken soup, and we do a smoked chicken soup. So we smoke the chickens whole, right? And then when we pull them and use, you know, pull it pull all the meat off of them. For for pulled chicken, we'll take those chicken carcasses that are smoked, and then we render those down into a stock, and then use those for chicken soup. And it is smoky and chickeny, and it's that I haven't thought of that one. That's a good one. It did. You know what? You know what it was. It was um, I did a smoked chicken for. Um, just thought we were at the house hanging out and um, I was going to do smoked chicken tacos, right? And so I did a whole chicken and cooked it that way. And Amanda was, I think she wasn't feeling good at the time. And she was like, I really want soup too. And I was like, I can make you chicken soup out of the bones of this, you know? And she's like, okay. So then, like, I started playing, you know what I mean? Started experimenting, and, and I just threw it in, made a stock out of it, rendered it down, and then made soup out of it. And she was like, holy oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, I re- I'm like, I literally never want any other chicken soup ever again. Yep. Because it's just, I mean, it it has that, it has that more... It, it just has a deeper element. Yeah. Well, that's, have you done smoked prime rib yet? I've done smoked prime rib, yes. Once you do that, you'll never... Oh, no. You never want any other prime rib. Okay. Never. I mean, um, just like, I know, like, it's kind of cliche but, like, 
I really like the reverse seer. And I know people are like, oh, it's been played out, like, whatever. Like, that's my favorite way of cooking a steak, is reverse searing that thing. Yeah. Or sous vide it. Like, yeah. I, I dig sous vide steaks. Um, I think sous vides are a lot of fun, and I also like sous vide chicken breasts, because then I can put different flavors into them and really, yep. really play with it. Yeah. No, that's been one of my new toys, too. The sous vide. They're so well worth it. Yeah. If, if you guys haven't played with it, you haven't tried one, try one. They're super easy to use. And oh, you yeah. can you can make shit super it, – it takes a little while because that's the whole point. But you can make stuff super flavorful. Fish. I'm not a fish person. My wife loves fish. Yeah. She usually loves it when I smoke it. After the first time I sous vide it and the thing sat there and it's cooked in its juice like that and then I just seared it quick. She was like, I don't ever want anything but that again. Yeah. You can do – I mean you can do some kick-ass stuff with a sous vide. Um, I want to – what I want to do is I actually want to get a cooler – and I want to cut that hole out and, and put, stick, yeah. yeah, and stick the CV in that way. Like the suit, like, and, it, and it's not necessarily because I need to hold that temperature that way. Um, but it makes your CV work less. Once yeah. it kind of gets it to that temperature, it's, it's going to still circulate that water, but it, it, the motor doesn't have to work quite as hard to hold a temperature yeah. that's, you know... And you get less cold spots, things like exactly. that. Exactly, yeah. So it's just more of the sciency dorkiness of the sous and trying to make sure that we're producing um, the best food that we possibly can. And, I mean, we don't use it commercially because we don't have a, we don't have a use for it currently, but um, we do use it uh, at home and I love it <laughs> and I I do try to push my limits of how long I can I can push shit and I will say like if you have a frozen steak and you season it and throw it in a bag and sous vide it it doesn't matter which yeah. is so nice because you can be like oh it'll be a 10 hour sous vide later yeah. Like, it was frozen. I didn't want to let... I forgot to lay, you know... I oh, to shit. Thaw. Yeah, like, you know, I. it doesn't matter. Just throw it in. Let it go. That water bath will... It'll thaw it. It'll cook, cook it, it. And yep. it'll hold it. And it'll yep. just be perfect. And it'll break down all the connective tissue. Um, it, it It's just great. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever CV like a brisket or anything. Um, I just don't think I would. But I know people there. There, there's people out there that probably have done it, and I know that there there are for sure people out there that have done it. Yeah. But there's, uh, a, there's a guy CV everything. Yeah, that YouTube. dude tried doing it for a month. Yeah. Did you see that? First of all, whatever CV he's using needs to get a shout out for working for a full month. 
and not blowing up. Because, <laughs> I mean, think about it. That engine's not, like, that motor's not meant to work that much. But, yeah. Longest uh, I ever did mine was 24 hours. I think the longest I've gone is, like, 17 or 18 hours. I don't think I've ever gone 24. I'd love to, but I don't think I have the uh, capacity of remembering to put something in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Being that that proactive. But uh, it's definitely, like, it's just insane that he, A, did it for a month and thought that the food would actually be good. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. like, it started rotting. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Like... It, it, what do you expect at, that, at some point? But he also did it at like one thirty. Like, <laughs> okay, medium rare brisket. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. But it, at the same time, if you if you held it at that, eventually the connective tissue tissue would probably start to break down. But and actually, I don't think so. What briskets at what like? 190 to 200 it starts the it starts to break down yeah yeah but so, i mean i would imagine that given the time eventually given the time it would have to it would eventually have to break down yeah or rot <laughs> you know or rot and it, it definitely rotted it might yeah. have broken down and then and then rotted because it was in there for so fucking long and who knows at what point it turned <laughs> I just can only imagine the smell of that bag opening. That had to be horrible. Yep. That had to be horrible. Oh my god. Ugh. No, I, I don't think you can do it. Yeah. No thanks. No, I'm good. Uh, but I mean, I've sous vide a lot of a lot of good shit. You know what I mean? Tri tip sous vide it. Um, pork chops. Sous vide a pork chops fantastic. Like you can do. I love sous-veing a pork chop for like four or five hours. Oh, so good. It really is. Like, it's just it's fucking fantastic. I, I also wouldn't sous-vee ribs. I wouldn't do that. I just like smoked ribs way too much. To, um, boil, to, to boil them in a bag? <laughs> yeah, I just want to boil them in a bag. Um, now, don't get me wrong. If you want to do like an Asian sticky rib, that might not be bad. That's pretty similar. But yeah. no, I'm good. I'll uh, I'll I'll stick to that on my smoker. <laughs> keep those keep those babies on the smoker. There you go. So, I'm out of questions for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, you survived. Apparently, I survived. Uh, guys, if you've kept on with us, this is actually probably one of our longest podcasts. Uh, so we'd like to thank Cowboy Kev for not only helping us with the intro to our podcast, but, uh, being a, a good friend and a vital member to our, uh, our staff and team. Uh, thank you for, for hosting tonight and, and hanging <laughs> out. With, yeah. And hanging out with us. And, uh, we, we will have to do this again. Yeah. Like I said, so for those of you who didn't catch in the beginning, Mike was wicked nervous about doing this. More than once, I asked the questions. I don't talk about it. I don't. And he was super nervous. So let him know that 
he did he did a great job. And thank <laughs> you for letting me do that. I gave him this idea. I said, let's make you talk tonight. I think Kev just wanted to take it off of him. <laughs> That's the not fair part. <laughs> That's the not fair part. But uh guys, uh if you want to check it out, uh, Kev, tell them where they can follow you on social media and all that fun stuff too. So on social media, I'm the main place I do everything is on Instagram at Wiley underscore E underscore BBQ. Um, you can also find us at Wiley BBQ on Facebook. Um, but most of my stuff is on Instagram. And then, yes, I owe you a blog post. <laughs> And sometimes he blog posts for us. Yeah, sometimes I blog post for Mike. Yeah, yeah. When I remember, I I, I post some stuff up for Mikey. Um, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. We figured we'd do something different tonight. Oh, I had a great time. I had way too much fun. Yeah, this is this is the kind of conversations that me and Mike have uh, for hours a day. It's yeah. terrifying. I think our wives think we're psychotic. <laughs> just a little just a bit. little bit but that's okay guys till next time we will see you soon later <laughs>